On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and I'm so excited to have my dear friend, Kim Campbell on the show. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Lori? I'm good. Uh, we has, we just saw each other and spent uh, almost two weeks together. So we'll get to talk about that in a minute, but I just really want people to get to know who you are. So the Campbell might sound very familiar to people. Could you tell us a little bit about when, who is Kim Campbell and how did uh, you enter into the plant-based world? Who is Kim Campbell? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm married to Nelson Campbell, who started Plant Pure. Most of you know that. Um, and I, we've been plant-based for, I don't know, almost 30 years. And I hesitate, I hesitate is because, you know, we sort of walked into this slowly 30 years ago. Um, I met my husband in high school and Colin was doing his research in China. So I got a front row row seat just to watch that family transition. And as they transitioned, I also transitioned. Um, I was also really interested in nutrition and food, culinary, all of that. So I went on to college to be a dietitian. And little did I know that the nutrition that they were teaching in college was so different than anything that Colin was teaching us. Um, so I, I kind of stuck it out for a couple of years. And then I decided I love kids and children. I decided that I would go into teaching. So then I became a teacher. I had, we had three children um, who we raised plant-based. I'm, I'm sort of just going over this really quickly. Lori. That's all good. I'll, I'll dive into things that I think are <laughs> entertaining and fun. Yeah. So then we have three children and we raised them all plant-based. I was teaching in the schools and Nelson was saying things to me like, wouldn't it be great if we could, you know, just go someplace and pick up whole food plant-based meals and then he started thinking about, wouldn't it be great if we could get people and do immersions and, and show them how to do this? And I was excited about it too. And um, that was 12 years ago. Wow. And he hired a chef because I told him I didn't want to do that. I wanted to continue on with my teaching. And I, you know, I didn't know anything about feeding massive amounts of people either. So he hired a young chef and she was wonderful, but she was learning from me because she was fairly new to plant-based too. So mm. She ended up leaving, starting her family. And Nelson said, do you think you can do it? So I, I did. I quit my teaching job and wrote a couple of cookbooks, um, got involved in the film. And the rest is history. I've never gone back. So it's been fun. I've gone full circle. You know, it's, it's been fun. It is. There's so much. Oh, my goodness. There's so much that you just put in less than two minutes here. <laughs> First of all, let's go back to Kim Campbell, teenager who met Nelson. And you're seeing, like you said, front row seat, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, whose book was the first plant based book I read. Um, so I feel like that's just like so important to me as well. What was that like? Is it like that first time? Do you, if you recall them saying, oh, we need to eat more plant based? Like what was going on in your mind? And how, you said you were transitioning as well. Was that after you left home or before you left home? I never liked meat. That was not mm. my, and I grew up, my, my parents were very traditional. We always had meat and potatoes and a vegetable. And my mother did a lot of cooking, but I never liked meat. I liked dairy and I liked eggs, but I didn't like meat. So when Colin was talking about um, animal nutrition and you know how 
how toxic it is to the body. I was like, oh, I, I'm all about this. I can do it. And then when he was sharing his results, I don't remember how old I was at that point, but it was, it was really exciting for me. So it, it gave me validation that I could be plant-based and be healthy. So I went on to college and I did primarily plant-based, but back then it was hard. We didn't have soy milk. We didn't have almond milk or plant-based cheeses. Not that we do plant-based cheeses, but there weren't those options so that you could gently move into a plant-based diet. So I was still not doing it right. Then we got married and we still had, I have to say, maybe that little block of cheddar cheese in the back of the refrigerator that I would put on top of casseroles, um, maybe a little bit of milk to use for different things. Not a lot, but we were using it. Then when we had the kids, that's when I really got serious about nutrition, particularly the second one, because he had so many ear infections. So mm. I, I want to say we did it, but we did it more slowly. Um, okay. And then I guess when we got really hardcore was back in the 90s, maybe a little early wow. 90s, 1991. I don't know wow. I have track of time. <laughs> <laughs> I, no. I really think it's great when people decide they're just going to do this and they do it overnight. I, I have so, so much admiration for that. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to do and then bring it into your practice. So, but you're bringing in the practice of cooking. So, I mean, that's really the key here. Like we'll get to, you know, the 10 day pilot immersion that we did in North Carolina just a few weeks ago. Um, but how did you begin to even start? I mean, I, I understood you want you love food and idea of cooking, but how does someone begin the journey of making delicious plant-based meals? Like how would you teach someone who's just starting out with this, like, what would you suggest to them? Keep it the same, but change it a little bit. So that's what we mm -hmm. did. When we did immersions here in, um, in our small town with traditional people. We really tried to keep their diet as similar to what they already had. I mean, obviously you can't replace a steak with plant-based, but we took things like spaghetti and lasagna and macaroni and cheese. And we, you know, the things that people love and we made them plant-based. I know that when my father was starting to do plant-based towards the end of his life, um, I just told him, dad, just keep everything the way you already doing it. Just take out the meatball and add some more mushrooms to it. And that's what worked. Even when he went out to eat, he would order all the sides. So I would tell people, don't start doing things really different, but kind of work your way to that. Because I think your palate mm -hmm. has to adjust. Mm -hmm. And once it begins to adjust and you begin to enjoy all the different variety of plants. We talk about that too. I think people really love, they love to try new things. And, and that's when we did the immersion, we can talk about that, but we gave people a big variety of food so that they could find a few things that they really loved and enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so sad to come back home and have to cook my own meals. I'm like, oh, but Kim and Fernando are so delicious. <laughs> oh, and that yummy cake, the pie that you made for the Thanksgiving birthday. Because <laughs> I celebrated my 51st birthday with you guys, which was really cool too. Um, okay, yes, I would say the simple and keep it the same is a really good rule because that's what I did 10 years or so, almost 10 years ago, was first of all, I just like, I bought some of the, what was the only thing that I could find in my little town that was plant-based that would, was those Boca crumbles. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, I would use ground beef or something. I would just throw that in instead. And then, you know, just did all more and just really started looking at um, more recipes and just trying things out. And um, eventually just 
figured it out. You just gotta, you gotta work, you know, up your ante a little bit in the kitchen. Um, but there's so many recipes online now and your books and other amazing books and chefs. It's just so much easier these days. It is. I had two cookbooks that I really worked out of back in the eighties. And one was, um, Moosewood, you know, Moosewood, everybody knows Moosewood. That restaurant is based in Ithaca, but it wasn't plant-based. It was vegetarian. So that was like my Bible. And then I think Arrowhead Mills. That's really all I had that was plant-based. And I had Betty Crocker and all the traditional ones. So, but I tend to look at traditional and then I create a recipe. I tend not to go to the vegan. Mm. It's you're right though. It's a world that is so much easier to move into Mm -hmm. this this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I I mean, even just, I can't even imagine doing this 30 years ago. (laughs) Um, But uh, wow. Just even just even, you know, in the early 2000 teens, it was, it was hard enough, like 2012, when I did it, I was like, wow, you know, Forks Over Knives had just come out, Gregor had a site, and then McDougal had his, and there were some books, but uh, how to practice medicine, and then answering all the questions, I didn't even know the problems yet that my patients would encounter. So that first year of even just doing it yourself, but then helping patients do that. I'm, I'm learning just as much as they do. Like, what are they doing? And this is what happens when people who are on insulin (laughs) eating meat and dairy and go to plants. I mean, there's some serious stuff that happens very quickly, which we can talk about too, again, in our 10 day. That was so fun, Lori, working with you. (laughs) I felt like, you know, we've been doing this for so long, but, but watching the insulin come off insulin so quickly, and watching you manage it with the food, it was just, uh, it was a spiritual experience for me. It really was. <laughs> well, I feel like that's a perfect segue. Let's just dive into it and then we'll make sure and talk about your upcoming cookbook too, which we'll get to. Um, so we spent 10 days in Greensboro, North Carolina with eight patients or so to speak, or individuals who um, lived with us in this beautiful gr- house in Greensboro. And Kim and Fernando cooked for us. So tell us how you went about planning because six of these guys were uh, insulin dependent diabetics. And how would you go? How did you go about? Because when we walked in that first day, you had this meal plan and some ideas. Tell us what were your first thoughts for someone who's maybe in a similar situation, not the immersion, but the diabetes stuff. (laughs) Oh, I I would have done it a little differently because I've learned a little bit more since the immersion, but I went back to our immersion that we had back in 2010 when we started to do this. Um, I went to my cookbooks, what was popular. I know what people love and they write about mm-hmm. it over and over. So I went to that and I did the 10 day plan and tried to mix up their starches a little bit, mix up the kinds of beans and some of the unusual things that they were trying. I didn't do it all at once. If you remember the first night mm-hmm. we started out with lasagna, mm-hmm. Who lasagna, right? <laughs> right. And it was very delicious. Yeah. Yeah. So we started out with something really simple. I had a lot of desserts in there. If you remember. I yep. Down. Oh, <laughs> I remember Kim. I remember. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't even get to half of those desserts partly because, you know, we didn't want to feed them even a lot of dried fruit and things like that as their bodies. Right. But the other reason was they, they were full. I don't think oh, yeah. they needed to eat in between meals. They were eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they were eating I have never seen people eat so much food. (laughs) (laughs) It was really fun. But what was interesting, the recurring comment, right? Was like, it'd be like you finish breakfast and four hours later, five hours later, it's time for lunch. Like, 
I'm not even hungry. I'm like, oh, but you need to eat. <laughs> we need you to try all this food. Stay satiated because we don't want people hungry. And and their blood sugars did so well, right? So, well, gosh, within very the very first few days, we were pulling people completely off their insulin. So of the six, we lost four of them stopped all their insulin. Uh, two others dramatically decreased, like sixty to ninety percent. And now some of them are getting ready to come off fully. And that's only been what three. Has it been three weeks, just over almost three weeks or so? Um, yeah. So there's that. And all the blood pressure meds that we were stopping, one gentleman stopped nine medications in the first day and he's continued to do very well. But the recurring theme was how delicious and healing this food was. So what was the takeaways that you said you had learned? And I'll tell you um, what I learned too <laughs> from the whole experience. You know, I, I think the closer we get to whole foods, and it's not to say that we don't strive to always eat a whole food plant-based diet but we're not perfect for sure. Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, eating a lot of things like flowers, grinding things up, um, this has more potential to raise your blood sugar. And you had talked about quinoa and how well people do with quinoa. So the example I'm going to give is that Fernando made his rice and quinoa blend, which was really nice. And one night we did a blend of all kinds of grains. Mm -hmm. So, and and then the one night that we had cornbread, rather than having something like cornbread, we tended to go with the whole grains because the cornbread made their blood sugars go up. So mm-hmm. no, it was, it would be considered a whole food. We were using flowers. So mm-hmm. I think the more that we can get into that direction, and keep everything intact, the better off that we'll be. And I, I knew that, but I, you know, to see it, Lori, to see those numbers, they had the little Libres on their arm. Yep. And was, I kept saying, what's your blood sugar? How's your blood sugar? <laughs> really interesting to see how they responded to different foods. Yeah. And you know, the one thing when Nelson and I were first talking about, um, he invited me to do this. I was so tickled. I was like, we have to get them Libres because it's that real life feedback without having to poke your finger. So we're removing the obstacle of checking blood sugars by that painful experience of, you know, poking the finger and then trying to keep track. And what does this mean? Cause like a lot of patients, when I see them, their doctors are only having them check their morning blood sugar. And that's it. I'm like, but there's so much more. (laughs) And that is the cool thing when you can see all those trends right after a meal and how quickly it's coming down, how high they got, but you're right. It's that whole food complex, the complex carbohydrates that are so important, but you know, 10 days later, the cornbread would have not have had just as great of effect. It might've still had an effect, but you know, even still, so I I do feel like you're right. That any ground up type of flour is going to make a big difference. Um, and, but that was great for them to see. And then if they pounded the greens and all the other vegetables, how much that even blunted the blood sugar response. The example of, um, um, oats versus steel cut oats, right? Mm-hmm. I yep. never steel cut oats. I don't like steel cut oats. I'm just not a fan. So I made them this week. And I really doctored them up. I put some cinnamon and some vanilla in it. And it was really good. I soaked them the night before. But I think the more we can move into that direction, the better off we'll be. It's not always. Well, you know, it isn't. So like, you know, I've shared with you guys before is that I wore the Libre last year, um, early in the year and the Dexcom, which is another CGM, just as what does a normal person do without diabetes eating a plant-based diet do? Cause I didn't know <laughs> there's not a whole lot of studies on those type of people. So I, um, 
I wore it and I was really shocked, like you said. So the rolled oats made my blood sugar hit like 160 something, but I went to steel cut it barely registered to 130. And now this last seven days, I'm wearing the Libre again. I've been drinking a green smoothie all summer because I just, and it's full of greens and God, cabbage and kale, broccoli slaw. That's about three quarters. And then I put in the frozen fruit. I put a banana, pineapple, cherries, blueberries, soy milk, and peanut butter powder, guys. It's so delicious. And I'm not, my blood sugars aren't even hitting a hundred. They might hit 92. And it's happened every single morning. I was like, wow, that is so interesting. Because people say, oh, the smoothies are so bad for you. Raise your blood sugar. I'm like, if you put the right amount of greens in there, it's not going to do much. So I've, I've challenged our folks and our you know, our firmer immersion is like, you guys do some of these because I know they're not as insulin sensitive as I am at this point, they'll get here. But I'd really love to see what those smoothies are doing for someone who's coming out of diabetes and seeing what those do in kind of a similar fashion, because I'm a huge fan of smoothies. I feel like they just, it's a great way to get nutrients in for people who wouldn't maybe have a chance to eat a large salad at, you know, at lunch. Um, but anyway, it's just so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. We don't do smoothies too much, but I do like them. I just don't, I uh, like, to eat. I like to eat. <laughs> so I, I prefer, I prefer to eat my food, but I think if you're, you know, if you're in a hurry and you're on a go and on the go, yeah, mm-hmm. great um, option. Yeah. I'm just, you know, for me, I'm never, I don't, I, I need to set the time aside to eat slowly in time, but the mornings are such crazy times for me. I am drinking my smoothie as I'm prepping to see my patients. Cause that can take about an hour just to see my first lot of the patients for the day and to spend, it's just easier for me than trying to eat my oatmeal. Now when winter comes, I'll probably go back to my oatmeal because it's colder here, but, um, but I agree. You should be eating your food mostly, but uh, smoothies are a great way to do it. Um, addition to, but what, tell us a little bit about some of the foods you guys prepare. Cause I feel it's really important that people understood what a yummy variety we okay. had to eat. I'm going to, probably forget Lori. So you can, you can remind me what we ate, but I think oh. we, had, we had a veggie burger. We had um, lasagna. We had, we did, we tried to stay away from a lot of the pastas. Um, mm-hmm. Even though we did brown rice pasta and whole grain, we tried to avoid that a little bit. Um, we had pad thai and there's pasta in that. We had African stew, which went over really well. And I knew it would, and it always does. It's not one of my favorites, but it's something that a lot of people enjoy. It's delicious. Uh, yeah, we did kaboka squash. That was really popular. People went home and remade those. We did some scrambles, the tofu mm-hmm. scramble. That was really good. Uh, I'm trying to think. The Indian the dish with all the spinach in the. Uh, yeah, so not olive paneer. Olive paneer, yep. Then we used a roasted tofu, so that was popular. It's kind of like a spinach gravy, kind of like a smoothie gravy. So good. Oh my uh, gosh. That was really good. Um, we did a veggie loaf. We did sort of a Thanksgiving at the end. We did a veggie loaf and mashed potatoes. And we did mm-hmm. some squash. So we did a lot of things that I call enchiladas, things that people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. And for sure had some people that didn't like. We, I had one of the participants over to my home who batch cooked together. And she started telling me the things that she loved and the things she didn't like. And I said, I thought you liked all of it. She said, no, I... I didn't really like this and I didn't like that, but she wanted to batch cook African stew. So it was, it was a lot of fun. But she came into the immersion without any experience in the plant-based realm. So she came in eating processed meats and lots of dairy. Um, So, I mean, she, 
that speaks volumes that she come over and batch cook with you. And she did like quite a bit of things. She's like, mm, when can we get that recipe? What was fun too, is watching the participants kind of work with you guys and watch you guys. And you guys are just interacting and talking with them about how to cook these healthy meals once they go home. So that I was so fun. The dynamics of this, because it was so fun. When they first all arrived, nobody really knew each other. I'd never done anything like this before. I don't know if you had done anything. Um, like not all in the same house, but certainly day-to-day experience with everyone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're all together like a family and everybody yeah. was a little bit shy. I know there was one participant that didn't feel very good. Blood sugar was all over the place. And, yeah. you know, I didn't know if they were going to like the food or if we were going to be able to pull it off every four hours. And by the time we got halfway through, they were happy. They were laughing. They were in the kitchen every evening around four o'clock snacking. They were coming <laughs> and saying, can I make the dressing? Sure. <laughs> So it was really fun. They started to participate and I sort of felt like we were a family. I really miss all of them. Mm-hmm. We have their little private group page that they go in and chat with, but uh, it was, it was, it was fun to watch them change. I, I think it was the food too. It wasn't just that oh, we were all nice people. Definitely the food. They were yeah. sleeping and they were eating and I just felt like their personalities changed a little bit. Yes, absolutely. I would say definitely, right? Because you had people who would wake up tired when they arrived at like, you know, they're tired, they weren't sleeping well, um, they had joint pain. And so some of them, you know, it was really fun to say like, I have all this energy, I need to go walk, you know, and now he's walking like three miles a day, a mm-hmm. uh, mile each time. And these are, you know, people in their sixties who to go, you know, I used to have to get up in bed and I have to use my dresser. And I'm like, and he goes, he goes, after the last few days, I have no more of these aches and pains. And they're just aghast at how quickly this improvement is that we stopping these diabetic meds. You know, one gentleman had had um, diabetes for over two decades <laughs> and he's off all of his meds. And his blood sugars are doing great. He's off his blood pressure medication. He says, I just don't understand. In the clear mind, and he has tons of energy. He didn't before. He dealt with um, some mental health issues. And those, he goes, I mentally feel clear. He goes, like, the fog was lifted. Um, just amazing, fun results. And it was really fun, again, living with these amazing people. I was just, I'm so thankful that you guys did that. <laughs> testimony, too, that mental health is, you know, there's being together and connecting with people. I mean, I know a lot of it was the food, but I also think it was being together with like-minded mm-hmm. people, all having a common goal. I think that's what um, was really kind of magical about the whole thing. Yeah. And it's not like they were all similar folks. And we had 18 to 73. I mean, <laughs> all sorts of nationalities, different ages, different interests from all over the country. And I mean, yeah. And uh, it was just... It was just really cool. And it was fun learning and having these amazing conversations with people and how they changed overnight from like, I'm not sure my wife wanted me to do this. I'm just not sure. And the next, by the end of 10 days, they're like, let's keep doing their like advocates and evangelical about it. (laughs) I say this, it's going to sound really sexist, but I'm going to say it anyways, because I think some of the men were pushed by their wives. Oh, yes. Oh, they'll say they'll agree to that. And everybody knows in this community that what 60, 70% of the people that follow us are, are women, right? And right. one's trying to you know, push our families to do it. That's not always true, but I think it's often true. I would say 80%, right? So even when I'm just, just from my own, you know, 
experience, and granted I'm just one person, but I see it with others as well. 80% of my patients, I would say maybe 75 are female and they're the ones trying to get their families on board. It's the other 25 are the men and they're, you know, sometimes it's because their wives introduce it or they're like trying to get their wives on board or, but a lot of times the men who come are the cooks, which is interesting. So um, yeah, I agree. The, the, the ladies are really, I think the key to this, not that men are not important. They're very important. It's easier for <laughs> uh, someone to change their diet when everybody's on board, but you're exactly right. It's definitely more female driven. And I feel like that's why it's even more important to have people like yourself or, you know, female physicians, uh, all sorts of different people doing this so that someone can relate to someone um, out, you know, that's like, well, they're like me and I want to, you know, see what they're doing. So I think it's so important. Right. Absolutely. So, well, there, there's so much more we could talk about all that, but, and guys, I'm interviewing Fernando, who was the other amazing chef with us as well. So we're, we'll dive even further into the food, but I really want to talk about also raising a family because you raised your kids are like my kids ages, but you did this since they were born. What was that like back then? So like, how do you raise a family from birth doing this? Like, what would be your advice to someone? It's challenging. For sure, it was challenging um, mm. because we didn't live in a plant-based world at all then. And we raised the kids in a rural area. We moved to Oxford, North Carolina, which is very rural, um, all about baseball and soccer and, you know, just sleepovers. And the kids were immersed in that. They, they enjoyed it, but their friends weren't plant-based. Um, so I let them experiment with food, but when they were in our house, I was solely plant-based. Mm -hmm. Interesting though, because the more that they ventured out into food, the worse they felt. A um, couple of them said, said, oh, mom, I feel terrible. They had macaroni and cheese and there was soda. And of course they ate it and then they didn't feel good. So they started inviting the kids to our house more often because they knew that food wasn't going to be an issue. And it was an issue for them. It, it, they did struggle, especially as they got into high school, going over to people's houses and not having anything to eat and not wanting to be that person bringing their salad or their sandwich. So it was challenging, um, but I feel like I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. They have a great foundation understanding, of course, growing up with grandma and papa and you know, Dr. Colin. Um, right really got the education. They saw all the plant-based documentaries. So they, they understand the whys. Um, and plus, you know, Nelson and I were both together on board. And I think when you're not, it makes it even that much more challenging. So mm -hmm. Nelson was always, oh, this is great. Let's have this again. And I mean, I didn't have any of that. So I was blessed that way. Um, but the kids had challenges as they went out into the community. Um, mm -hmm. I also was probably a little old fashioned about food. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, the kids didn't get dessert unless mm -hmm. they ate their food. I always felt like dessert was a treat and it should be treated that way. And we didn't have a lot of food in between meals. Um, no one starved <laughs> and they, had, they didn't like dinner, then they had to wait for the next meal. And I used to make them eat a little bit of it. I didn't pile it on their plate, but I guess I was just one of those old-fashioned parents no that's not being old-fashioned that's just being logical and good so that's exactly what we did so my kids were 13 15 18 you know Emily went off to college she did her thing she eventually came around and um the interesting thing was I did exactly what you did I was like listen in this house you're plant-based from today <laughs> like, 
overnight. And, but uh, I was like, you all said this else, you guys do what you want. And they had the exact same experience um, where they just didn't feel well. There was even one where Gabe ended up in the hospital overnight um, because he had such some people have heard that story, but he was out of town on his uh, going to the state cross country meet and came back very ill severe abdominal pain, hospitalized, elevated white count, came back down after 12 hours. I mean, it was pretty crazy. He's like, mom, I won't do that again. I was like, yeah, I bet you won't. You know, you're going to pay your hospital bill. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, it was really interesting to see a body that's even just eating at home, the amount of healthy food. And then just when people take in that meat and dairy and that processed food, how quickly the body's like, yo, what are you doing? But I, I love that. Why did whoever said we had to eat? so much all the time. Like your child doesn't have to have a snack when they're four years old and they just finished a, you know, half an hour little soccer game. They'll be fine. Feed them some water or, you know, they don't have to have that dessert every time or it's right. You're exactly right. If you're hungry, you'll eat at the next meal. That's how I was raised. That's how my kids were raised even before plant-based. They turned out fine. You know, uh, working in the schools, they snack kids all the time. They snack them mm. at soccer games. And I think, why? You don't need to just give them some water. But I remember yep. about halfway through the morning, they would have snack in my classroom and the kids would pull out all this junk. Yeah. <laughs> and I would think, why, why are we having a snack? And then they would go to lunch and they wouldn't eat their lunch because they just had snack an hour before. Right. So I'm with Not you. that the lunch was probably all that great either. My kids, I always packed their lunch because I was so like disgusted by the amount of food. Yeah. Yeah, because even plant-based, I mean, we'd go out and we had our share of eating out, um, but the, we ate fairly well. I mean, there's always vegetables, tons of beans, right? starchy, all that good stuff. But um, wow, that's, that's so interesting. So now when um, you had others come over, the kids, what was that? I think that's a brilliant idea, right? Because now you become the hub and you're in touch with everything that your kids are doing. I feel that's such a amazing and very good, good parenting skill. I think that's fantastic. I hope so, but well, it's over now. I can't fix it. <laughs> I think the most interesting, well, we had prom parties at our house. We had two prom parties here and the oh, kids wow. here so that I could, I could control food, which I did and they loved it. Um, but the most interesting experience, and I think I talked about this on another podcast, but maybe we have new, new people, but we went to the beach and I, for our daughter's graduation, we took two of her friends and the other two took friends too. So I think I had seven or eight teenagers. They were all teenagers between like 12 and 18. And I went out and I got junk food because I knew they weren't going to eat my food. I, I was on vacation too. So I was going to make our food and then I would just get the, I didn't want to fight about their pizza or whatever they wanted to have. So I started making our food and everybody was eating our food. So I said, all right, guys. <laughs> I'm going to make plant-based food all week. If you want to go there, we, we can do that. And we did, we did like taco bars and we did potato bars and every single one of those kids loved the food and they mm -hmm. ate and all the frozen stuff that I got for them. They didn't touch it. And I think two, two or three of them are now pretty much plant-based. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it just make the interest, the curiosity, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, they loved it. I mean, we had cookies and we had snacks and snacks. We were on vacation, but we right. had all kinds of things, kind of like the immersion. And they just, for, for, they were thinking, this is great. What's for dinner? What's for lunch? So wow. one, it was, yeah, I, I think it, you just have to give kids exposure, repeat, mm -hmm. um, because the more you repeat and give them exposure, the more they're going to eat that way. 
I, I think that kids, what do they say? They have to tr experience a food eight to 10 times to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. and don't give up the first mm -hmm. one or two times you try it. Just keep, keep at those greens and broccoli and mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Yeah. I, you know, so one of the things that I have on my healthy human revolution website is a course that I created and they're all free. There's like five or six, um, about how to get kids to eat healthier, right. And how, what parents should be doing. I have a super, a superhero coloring book, cookbook, and all sorts of stuff. Like I went into the research and it's like 57 tips, how to get kids to eat more vegetables, because it's so important that families, try to get these kids on board as quickly as possible because we're literally laying the foundation for their future health. I mean, you know, send them out in this world with like what you've done. You've these amazing tools for your kids to eat healthy and they know how to cook and they know they don't feel well when they don't. So it's so important. In the kitchen too, if I know you, you probably had them cooking in the kitchen. Oh, they were cooking in the kitchen before even plant-based because I'm like, listen, I don't have time. And then you guys need to be able to fend for yourselves because I'm your mama won't be there all the time cooking for you. <laughs> It's like scrubbing a toilet and washing your clothes. These are skills that you need to learn. <laughs> so, I mean, I was working at a gas station when I was 12. I mean, come on guys, let's keep, let's keep this real. Life is, life is not easy. And we're a big, bad world is you're going to have to have some survivability skills. This is the cooking is the basis, right? So um, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that for a minute because I think yeah. we've got so far away from cooking and mm -hmm. food and chopping and cutting. And that to me, that's as important as brushing your teeth and mm -hmm. you know what goes into that pot because you're putting it in the pot but when you buy it at a restaurant or you buy processed food you don't know what's going in there and it's all kinds of stuff to preservatives and different things that you wouldn't normally eat so i think the more we the closer we get to making preparing our own food the healthier you're going to be even if you're not plant-based i just think that skill that art <laughs> somebody's sneaking hey nelson up. say hi to us He's got his gym clothes on. Uh, no cameo, huh? I was trying to sneak by you. <laughs> well, well, they'll be very thrilled that they say hi to you. <laughs> uh, nice to see you. You too. <laughs> That's the best. It reminds me when I was um, interviewing Dr. Esselstyn, and he's just talking, you know, this great, he was just going along, and then suddenly his cuckoo clock went off, and he goes... <laughs> It was like five times and he goes, I bet you never had that happen on a podcast. I'm like, I know, but that's so great. I'm going to keep that in. There. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. But tell us, you know, that's like, I feel like the cooking. So what are some of like the foundational basic cooking skills we should be teaching our kids? Or even if you're an adult coming into this, like, you know, I eat out three times a day. What would, what should we be trying to do and develop first? The biggest bang for the buck, so to speak. Yeah, I think having a lot of beans um, and eat, even when I wasn't plant-based, we ate a lot of beans, but, you know, having black beans and garbanzo beans and having them dried and having them canned so you can grab it at any time. And dry is great, but it's not always convenient. So mm. having those convenient things makes it a little easier, but having lots of beans, um, lots of grains. And I know Nelson and I pretty much eat brown rice. We eat quinoa and we eat potatoes. That's like mm. our staple. And so we have a potato drawer and it's full of all kinds of potatoes and I always keep it full. And if they start to go a little bad, bake them up and mash them up or whatever. And then having a really good spice cabinet, lots of spices mm. and blends. And uh, when Joyce was over batch cooking with me, she said, <laughs> she told me she thought I had a little bit of a spice hoarding issue, possibly. <laughs> Because I have hurting. a spice drawer and I have a cabinet full of spices. So, but I think that that makes your food taste good. 
So I can put mm -hmm. a meal together really quickly. I'm trying to think what else is in there. A lot of condiments, you know, um, Cholula and ketchup and mustard and vinegars and things like that. But I think if you set up your pantry for success, you're not going to mm -hmm. feel like you need to go out to eat a whole lot. And I use mm -hmm. the freezer a lot. Um, I always tell people, get your onions and your peppers and your corn and your peas and your greens and your broccoli and just really pack it in with just basic frozen vegetables. And then you can have a potato and you can have mixed veggies and you can make a sauce and make a big sauce mm -hmm. and have it all week long. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated. And Nelson can cook and he's a very good cook and he, does, he can do it pretty quickly. I think he's just over the years kind of watched it. And that's how my kids eat too. They don't, they don't, we don't eat complicated here. Yeah. But your, but your, your, your simple is quite delicious. And then, so there were many times like you guys would make a dressing or something and it was just like, Oh, we need to do this. And I was like, what did you guys put in there? Like, we're not sure. We just kind of put things in as need. I'm like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you what my, what my trick is. And I think this is Fernando's trick. Um, you know, you start with a base, a kind of uh -huh. a base or a starchy base, and then you add some uh, sugar and not sugar, but date, something sweet uh, sweeter or something salty. And if you can kind of pull those all in together, you can build a dressing that, that you like. Yeah. Well, I will tell you the mashed potatoes. So I, we talked about this. <laughs> it was such an, an aha moment for me was um, the mashed potatoes were like so creamy. It was like 10 years ago when I used to make mashed potatoes with butter and milk and the different things. But now I would use, when I would make mashed potatoes before, they always seemed kind of like almost transparent and too thin. It couldn't get that fluffiness factor, but I was like, what did you do? <laughs> How did and you I, do this? No, I, I watched it. That was Fernando. It was all Fernando. Cause I said, you do the potatoes and I'll do the loaf. He got out that, you know, the KitchenAid mixer. Uh -huh. I saw him do this. He put those potatoes in the mixer and he mixed them and he mixed them and he mixed them really well. And then he used like a little bit of a cashew cream. So he didn't just put milk in there. He blended up some cashews, had a little bit of fat in there and then he seasoned it. So yeah, it, it, I think it was the mixer and the cashew cream. <laughs> it was definitely. So I came home literally the next day and made these mashed potatoes. So I put it in cashew cream. I had, and I don't even have the, I don't even know what happened to my mixer. I'm sure one of the kids stole it at some point, but the, you know, the hand mixer, I had to use the masher. Like my great grandparents had the mash. I have my great granddad's masher actually I have it in a, in a, in a box for, for safekeeping because <laughs> they made the best mashed potatoes. Oh my goodness. Um, but I put in the cashew cream, nutritional yeast. I think there was time and stage, which he had mentioned Dijon mustard. How all interesting. Keep, I put the brown mustard in there and um, nutritional yeast. And then, you know, a little salt and pepper or whatever you like. I was so like, whoa, this Here's turned out. Fernando's, were they good? They were pretty good. I feel like if I had a, a, a electric mixer, it would have been even creamier, but these yeah. were like, and then I made your mushroom gravy and uh -huh. that's in your cookbook. Which one that, um, which, it's which one is? It's your nation cookbook, the first one, the green one. Okay. I tell yeah. I found it. You can also, I think I found it online too. And, but we have both your cookbooks here. So I was like, oh, and so my husband's like, wow, this is really good gravy. You've never made anything. I was like, no, this is Kim's mushroom gravy. <laughs> He's like, whoa, okay. This is quite delicious. So I'm just going to say guys, hmm. yeah. I'm getting hungry already. Mm. No, well, now, <laughs> now I know what I'm going to have for Thanksgiving is mashed potatoes with, I don't usually put that much energy and love into my mashed potatoes, but for oh. now, so. <laughs> so we have a running joke in this family. You either love 
the Caucasian starch gene or you love your Asian starch gene because my husband's Filipino. <laughs> so the kids either love potatoes or they like rice. It's not much of a mix in between. They'll eat it either way, but it's really kind of funny. It's like, I mashed potatoes was my delicacy as a child because my mom was like, if you want mashed potatoes, you have to cook them. So like as old so as I could stand up to see what I'm doing, I'm peeling potatoes and, and we had a knife back then. We didn't even use a real peeler. Um, and then we made those mashed potatoes. I was but I, I did miss that for 10 years. I've been missing my cream mashed potatoes. And it was like, thank okay, you. You got them now. <laughs> like all I needed was you guys in my life. <laughs> that, that, that was the last meal too. It was a lot yeah. of food. That was fun. Oh, and the loaf was so delicious. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Is that in one? Which book is that in? Is first that in book. one of your uh, first one? Cookbook. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's, I think it's on the website too. Most everything I have, you can find up on the website because I don't, hiding recipes, is, I'm not very good at it. I mean, if someone wants a recipe, I'll give it to you. <laughs> I just want people to experience this and make it easy mm-hmm. for them and be a resource for them. So, but it's so much easier if it's all in one place in one book. So I definitely recommend people it's, it's a well worth investment but now let's share about your new cookbook that's coming out and what was the inspiration for that? And when will it be out? Um, so I'm always developing recipes and I've gotten, so now I write everything down and I put it on a word doc. So I, especially during the pandemic, I really developed a lot. We did an online cooking class, um, it was sort of a cook along. And I did, I, I, I wanted new recipes for every show. So I tried really hard to do that. And I thought, I got all these recipes. What am I going to do? So I called the publishing company back up and uh, they were ex- super excited. So I just handed them the manuscript, I think about six weeks ago. And wow. it's, a go, it's a go. They're doing pictures and, and everything. Oh, and it wow. be out the fall of 2022, which seems, wow. seems like a long time, but it takes a long time to do the photography, edit everything, and just get everything, all your ducks in a row to publish a book. So wow. I'm always developing new recipes. So I asked them, I said, so I have some new recipes that I did this week. Can I go ahead and stick them in? And they said, no, 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 you can't do that. Once you give us a manuscript, it's in. So I don't know if I'm ever going to stop doing this just because I've been doing it since I was 10 years old. I love wow. food. Um, I love to create food. I enjoy it. Plant-based just gave me so many more options than eating traditional. So I don't think I'm ever going to stop. I want to do a sauce cookbook. That's my next. I'd love to do that. Oh, that would be such an instant bestseller because people are always asking for dressing sauces. Cause I feel like that really is the element that brings it all together because you can have the same ingredients. You change the sauce. It's a whole nother experience. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So hopefully. Yeah. But you had mentioned a theme for this one too, that was very, um, that's, I feel like is fairly new uh, to the plant-based world. We don't have a title for the book, so we need a title. So if anybody mm-hmm. have a title, let us know. But um, there are so many recipes in this cookbook that touch on a variety of cultures, whether it's Indian food or um, Asian food or Southern traditional Southern food. So most of the recipes in this book are in another, are, are from another culture, but they're sort of mm-hmm. American because we're a, a mixture of uh, obviously cultures in this country. So I have one that's Muhammara. I have, um, i trying to think of what I have that's unique. I have a Spanish paella, um, just a lot of really interesting recipes. So I need mm-hmm. a title. It's comfort food. It's 
cultural food and it's good food. So go from there. <laughs> like I said, plant-based for everyone. It's just, it's, yeah. I, th- I, I mean, you're using words that most of us are like, what is a paella? What is a, whatever the other word was <laughs> like. So it's almost like you're learning. Uh-huh. It's a muhamara. I don't even know. You know what it is? It's like a, it's a hummus. It's a dip. It's like a hummus uh-huh. made with roasted red peppers. Um, and it's got breadcrumbs in it and it's, oh, we should have had that at the immersion. You guys would have loved it. Um, oh, see, we're going to have to do another immersion, invite everyone back. This yeah. will just be a reunion because everyone will be well. <laughs> well I'm already talking about it. <laughs> I yes. keep talking, where should we do it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll have to go in different places across the, the country. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. So as far as, you know, I always like to ask a uh, guest as well, because I'm already taking the hour that I re- reserved you for. Um, what advice do you give anyone new to this world, which I'm sure you have tons of experience with? What's the one thing that you found to really people hold on to and help them be successful in transitioning to a plant-based diet? I'm going to say don't sweat the small stuff, right? Because I think people do, they get really carried away with the details, um, mm. gluten-free, or does it have a little bit of sugar, you know, just to not sweat the small stuff, but look at the whole picture. And I think the most important thing too, is if you're not perfect, make it better the next meal. I mean, this, we live in an all or nothing society. So people feel like if they go off the wagon, that they're, that's it, they're done. No food is just healing. It's healing at every meal. So not to sweat the small stuff, find some things that you really enjoy, pick yourself back up and just keep right at it because that's what we did. We just kept right at things over and over. And it's not about perfection, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. well, you also, you also, I think the special thing about you, Kim, is that you just ooze out of every pore of your body, love and compassion for people. So I think your food is extra touched with joy and just, just, you just feel good being around you. So oh, take that funny. and you're just a beautiful person. So I'm just I amazed. Up an hour. I have to say this. So Lori is my physician. So I've had to call and make appointments with you. So, and I tell people this plant-based telehealth, and you didn't tell me to say this. So I have to say this. It's a great place to go. If you want to get guidance on, on how to start plant-based or you've got a health problem and you need that support. Lori will give it to you. And you have, there's several other physicians too, that I don't know. Nine um, of us. Yeah. Nine of you. And I tell people in our pod, you know, go to plant-based telehealth, mm-hmm. but I really think if you're, if you just need some guidance and you, you know, you want to get over your diabetes or whatever it is, go to plant-based telehealth. Cause I have, and it's been, it's been really nice. You've helped me a lot. So Oh, well, thank you for the plug and I'll, I'll pay you later. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I, I think we just have fun. I know I was so jealous of Joyce who was over there batch cooking with you. I was like, I wish I could be there batch cooking with him. <laughs> it was fun. We had a good time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yep. So like, I mean, it's like, should we move to North Carolina? I was like, I don't know. Let's see where they stay. <laughs> North Carolina, we'll do lots more immersions when we're here. Here, here, here. There you go. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
But thank you so much, Kim, for your time. And I so appreciate you sharing your expertise and all your insights and all your experience with us. We are better for it today. So thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thanks for watching, and I hope you enjoyed that video. Before you go though, please hit the subscribe button and the alert button so you will be notified whenever we upload any new videos. On Monday, we upload the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find it on all the major platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. Now, if you're looking for more resources on how to start a plant-based diet, sustain a plant-based diet, exercise, recipes, anything regarding wellness, we've got you covered. Check out HealthyHumanRevolution.com. And again, thanks for watching.